be in Psalm chapter 107. Psalm 107. We are continuing our series, in fact, wrapping it up today, uh, Reviving the Mission is what we've called it. And uh, we've talked about various um, characteristics of an effective church, you know, some things that uh, if we're going to be effective for the Lord, effective for growing His kingdom, that we need to be, we should be, and, and some of it, uh, in fact, is just like the DNA of God working through us that we are these things, and then some of it is that we actually put forth this effort to strive toward these things. Um, and so we've looked at uh, all different aspects from, you know, staying on the mission to praying to uh, having concern for, for the loss and being proactive, you know, not sitting around and just waiting uh, for someone else to do stuff, but for us to actually jump in and get involved. But today we're going to be looking at uh, something else that I believe the Bible teaches is extremely important and something that if we're going to be not just effective, but continuing in the work of the Lord that we need to take time to do, and that is the idea of celebrating. And so today I've entitled the message, An Effective Church is a Celebrating Church. An effective church is a celebrating church. Now we all have probably met people who like to celebrate. Some of you know people in your life, maybe in your family, who like to have a party for almost any occasion they can think of. And some of you, it's your spouse who's let that way, and you absolutely hate it, right? Some of you, uh, it's maybe your cousin or your aunt, your uncle who likes to do those things. And any time they can have an excuse to get a party together, they try to do it because they like to celebrate things. Some of you have met couples who like to celebrate uh, any occasion they can. Maybe you know somebody who's like the couple who went to the restaurant and their waiter comes, came up to them and said, oh, are you all celebrating something special tonight? And they said, well, yes, we are. It's our fifth anniversary. And they said, oh, congratulations, five years of marriage. How wonderful. And they said, oh, no, it's actually our fifth anniversary of the first time we went out to eat together. And, you know, some people keep anniversaries like that. And let me tell you, if you're the type of person who keeps that, uh, your spouse probably can't keep up with all that, right? So show some grace in that. But some people absolutely love to celebrate. And as I think about being not just a church, but being the church, and what I mean by that is the church of Jesus. Every church has more than one reason to celebrate. And let me just tell you this, nobody has more reasons to celebrate than the church. No one in this world has more reason to celebrate than the church. And unfortunately, sometimes I think our view can get clouded sometimes by the world. And what I mean by that is I think sometimes we can make a habit not of celebrating but of complaining. And if we're truthful about that this morning, we probably find seasons of that in our lives. And I think there are various reasons. Certainly we know that we go through struggles and difficulties in this life, but I think a lot of times, various um, outside voices cloud our minds. You know, we start listening to the media, and let me just tell you, if you watch the news very much, it can be very easy to get pessimistic. It can be very easy to complain because all they want to do is, is uh, get us involved in the latest thing that they're trying to make into to drama, to, to scare us or have us worried or have us complaining about decisions being made, this, that, and the other. 
I think sometimes we can get caught up on social media or caught up uh, in the latest gossip at work or that thing going on that just leads us to have this attitude or this spirit of complaining all the time. And I think sometimes, truthfully, there are Christian outlets online that all they do is complain and bash other churches and things that they do. I found that one time early on in my ministry, getting caught up in that, and every time I thought about the church, just in general, I just thought of all these complaints. Well, if we could do that better, or do this better, or this isn't going right. And sometimes we get caught up in that just like Israel did. You may remember Israel, how they complained all the time about stuff. But I think if we as children of God find ourselves complaining more than we're celebrating, it could reveal that our focus is too much on ourselves and not enough on the Lord. While many things, and if we're honest, many things are of legitimate concern, let's not forget in the Lord that we have endless reasons to celebrate. And here in Psalm 107, the psalmist lists for us many reasons that we have to celebrate by telling some of the stories of people that he knew and things that they had gone through. And so as we read this psalm, you're going to find several stories of deliverance. Several stories that were cause for celebration of what God has, had done. And as we read these stories, chances are there's probably one that's going to remind you in some ways, maybe more than one, of your story. And so as we read this, I want you to be thinking about not only what God had done for them, but what God has done for you and what God has done for this church. So Psalm chapter 107, we're going to begin in verse 1. We're going to read the whole chapter, kind of lengthy, but again, all of these are causes and reasons for celebration. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that he has redeemed them from the power of the foe and has gathered them from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. Some wandered in the desolate wilderness, finding no way to a city where they could live. They were hungry and thirsty. Their spirits failed within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He rescued them from their distress. He led them by the right path to go to a city where they could live. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. For he has satisfied the thirsty and filled the hungry with good things. Others sat in darkness and gloom, prisoners in cruel chains, because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the counsel of the Most High. He broke their spirits with hard labor. They stumbled, and there was no one to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness and gloom and broke their chains apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His faithful love and His wondrous works for all humanity. For He's broken down the bronze gates and cut through the iron bars. Fools suffered affliction because of their rebellious ways and their iniquities. They loathed all food and came near the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them from their distress. He sent His Word and healed them. He rescued them from their traps. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His faithful love and His wondrous works for all humanity. Let them offer thanksgiving sacrifices and announce His works with shouts of joy. Others 
went to sea in ships conducting trade on the vast water. They saw the Lord's works, His wondrous works in the deep. He spoke and raised a stormy wind that stirred up the waves of the sea. Rising up to the sky, sinking down to the depths, their courage melting away in anguish. They reeled and staggered like a drunkard, and all their skill was useless. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They rejoiced when the waves grew quiet. Then He guided them to the harbor they longed for. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His faithful love and His wondrous works for all humanity. Let them exalt Him in the assembly of the people and praise Him in the council of the elders. He turns rivers into desert, springs into thirsty ground, and fruitful land into salty wasteland because of the wickedness of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into a pool, dry land into springs. He causes the hungry to settle there, and they establish a city where they can live. They sow fields and plant vineyards that yield a fruitful harvest. He blesses them, and they multiply greatly. He does not let their livestock decrease. When they're diminished and are humbled by cruel oppression and sorrow, he pours contempt on nobles and makes them wander in in a trackless wasteland. But he lifts the needy out of their suffering, makes their families multiply like flocks. The upright see it and rejoice, and all injustice shuts its mouth. Let whoever is wise pay attention to these things and consider the Lord's acts of faithful love. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all the reasons we have to celebrate. This morning, I pray maybe for a person who came here today who is just feeling down on life and and hasn't really stopped in a while to consider what you've done for them. I pray that you will help that person leave here today because of your word, because of your spirit, to find reason for hope and celebration in you. I pray for each person today who maybe came here to worship but wasn't really sure why. I pray that they would leave here having a true knowledge and understanding of why we should worship you, not just today, but every day. Be with our time and your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, as we think about worship, really in a lot of aspects, worship is celebration, right? It's celebrating what God has done for us and and all of these things. But sometimes when we think about worship, we boil it down, unfortunately, to just an event. It's an 11 o'clock on Sunday morning thing. And when we start thinking about worship as an event or just as something that we do, that we attend, or something that becomes routine, it can lose a lot of its meaning. And in celebrating, even in church sometimes, when we boil it down and don't really think about what we're doing, we have moments on Sunday mornings that we applaud things, right? Moments that we clap for things that the Lord has done or clap for, for folks who lead us in worship and those kind of things. But sometimes, let's be honest, We applaud and don't really think about why we're applauding. You know, somebody else starts applauding across the room and we just all start applauding because that's what we do. And we don't think about why we're celebrating. We don't think about why we're applauding. I think everything in celebration has to be focused on who we're celebrating, why we're celebrating. And in this psalm, we find several causes that we have for celebration as children of God. I want you to look at verse 1 what the psalmist writes. He says, 
Give thanks to the Lord. Why? Look at what it says. For he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And you see this kind of repeated throughout the whole psalm. Here, beginning right out the gate, the psalmist begins dealing with God's character. He talks about some of the characteristics of God. Particularly, he mentions a few here that he is good, he is faithful, and not only that, he endures forever. He continues to keep on going. And for the psalmist, these three were reasons to celebrate, but I think just generally and broadly speaking, as we think about the Lord, I want us to know this morning that we should celebrate because of who God is. So if you're taking notes this morning, jot down, let us celebrate who God is. Now the psalmist have mentioned three characteristics of who God is. I want you to stop for a moment and consider who God is. Not only that, I want you to consider how he has revealed who he is in your life. Think about some of those characteristics this morning that God has made known in your life through his word and through in living. We know that God doesn't change, right? And we see that even here, enduring forever, but not only does he go on forever, he doesn't change. And so maybe you've seen that aspect of God working in your life, that he is the same the day you got saved as he is today. And he's the same today as he will be that day that you stand in front of him and meet him face to face. God is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He's omnipresent, right? He's everywhere we go. He is wise. He is merciful. He is gracious. We could go on and on and on. If I came to you today and said, tell me some of, of what you've learned and experienced about who God is, you can name some things right uh, out the gate, right? You could say, God is this. God is that. And so as we're thinking about who the Lord is, I want you to understand this morning that if you don't know the Lord, who we're talking about that He is, He can and will be these things in your life if you've come to, come to know Him. And it's because we've come to know God that He is worthy of our praise. But not only that, I want you to remember, and I think one of the things the psalmist is telling us here is, that God is worthy of our praise simply because of who He is. Now think about it for a second. There's nobody else in that position. Every single one of us have people in our lives who we celebrate for different reasons. We celebrate them because of their role, you know, maybe uh, a position that they have. We celebrate them because of what they mean to us. We celebrate them because of what they accomplish. But there is nobody else in this life that we celebrate simply because of who they are for no other reason at all. God is in a different category by himself. We praise God not only because of his mercy and grace. I want you to listen to this. That's not the only reason he's worthy of our worship. Because even those who don't know him in the way that we know him, even those who maybe don't see his forgiveness, even those who don't understand what he does for them, one day those people too will celebrate who God is simply because of who he is. I want you to keep your finger in Psalm 107 and turn with me for just a moment to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. You all know that um, Isaiah, uh, in many ways, we've talked about was a prophet, and we talked about his call just a few weeks ago and how his message in many ways was going to be difficult. But there was one time uh, in here in Isaiah 45, uh, one time in particular, that God 
talked about how every person was going to come to acknowledge who he is. Isaiah 45, and I want to begin in verse 22, and I want to read verse 22 and 23. The Lord says this, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Now think about just for a moment what he's saying there. He's saying, I'm in a category by myself. Turn to me and and be saved. I am God. I am in charge. I'm in my own category. And then in verse 23, look at what he says. By myself I have sworn, truth has gone from my mouth, a word that will not be revoked. Every knee will bow to me. Every tongue will swear allegiance. And we see this reiterated also in the New Testament. That one of these days, whether you acknowledge the Lord as Lord today, one of these days you will acknowledge Him. One of these days you will worship Him. Everyone will. Why? Because He is Lord. And it may be after the fact, or it may be now, but everyone, the Bible tells us clearly, will worship Him and celebrate Him because of who He is. This morning, I want to stop for just a second and bow our heads. And I just want you, I'm going to give you about... 10 seconds to pray a quick prayer, and we need more than this, I understand, I'm going to give you about 10 seconds this morning to pray to God and thank Him simply for who He is and for no other reason. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for who You are. We lift that up uh, from our, our hearts today, and Lord, remind us of who You are. When we maybe begin to, to be too arrogant when we stray from being humble, when we try to get in uh, your place. Lord, we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we should celebrate who God is every Sunday and every, really every day, but now let's move to a different reason for celebration. Let us celebrate what God has done. Let us celebrate what God has done. Now, a minute ago, as I was reading through some of these stories, again, some of you may have seen a story that sounded similar to your story. Maybe it was that you were going through a difficult time and you thought all hope was lost and you cried out to the Lord and He helped you through that time. Maybe for you, uh, you know, as we look at some of these other stories, look at uh, verse 2 and 3. It says, Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that He has redeemed them from the power of the foe and has gathered them from the lands, from the east and west, from the north and south. And in some ways, this was a message to Israel, but in many ways, it's a message to us today. The fact that Jesus has redeemed you, no matter your background, no matter your story, if you are in Christ, we should celebrate that. We should celebrate what he's done. Then they go on, uh, the psalmist goes on to talk about some who wandered in desolate wildernesses. Verse 4, maybe you felt like that, that you were just looking for hope. You were looking for someone to lean upon, someone to care about you, and Jesus came in and did that. There was another instance uh, I looked at uh, all throughout here where basically, you know, it seems like uh, the psalmist is describing someone who just kind of made struggles for themselves because they chose to go their own way. And through those struggles, through those difficulties in life, they realize, hey, I've messed up. And maybe that's your story. And maybe you've cried out to the Lord for salvation. Then in verse 31 and 32, look at what the psalmist says. And this is for every instance. He says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. And I think about as the assembly of the people, as we're gathered here today, 
we should praise the Lord for what He's done in our lives and in our church. I want you to think about in your own life how God has moved in your heart, moved in your situation. Maybe He's healed you physically. Maybe He's healed you spiritually. Maybe He's healed you emotionally. Perhaps for you, uh, there was a time recently that you remembered He went through a difficult time with you and helped you get through that. Maybe He provided for you. Maybe He restored you in some way or restored a relationship that you had. I, go, I can go on and on about different examples, and all of us can think of many reasons in our personal lives that we should celebrate the Lord. But then I started thinking this week about all the reasons that we have to celebrate collectively just as a church. You know, I know for many of you, this church, in some ways, God has used this church and ministered through this church for important moments of your life. I'm just curious, how many of you uh, here this morning would say, uh, through the ministry of this church and God working through this church, that you came to know Jesus, that you got saved through the ministry of Scottsville Baptist Church? Anybody just raise your hand up high. Quite a few hands going up, and what a testimony that is, not only to the Lord's church, but most importantly, through God moving through His church, right? And so, so many of you did, how many of you got saved, or excuse me, got baptized because of the ministry uh, through this church? And man, how, look at how many hands are going up. Because of what God did here in Scottsville, at Scottsville Baptist Church, people getting saved, people getting baptized. And we could go on and on, and I, I'm not going to make you ra raise your hand on the rest of these, but I want you to think about this. How many of you uh, in your heart would say that you have grown closer to the Lord because of the ministry of Scottsville Baptist Church or made friends here that you can lean upon and through difficult times you've had people come alongside you and uh, listen all of these things are graces of God and and great things that he's done in our midst even in the last five to six years since I've been here you know, I've seen God uh, bring people here, see them make decisions and all that, but through this difficult time of COVID that we walked through together, all of these things, and then uh, see people uh, reach through your ministries uh, after that, seen people get closer to God because of our Bible studies and all of these things that, that many of you lead, and just, you know, I've seen people walk through difficult times and ask difficult questions about their faith and about the Lord. And it's just, we were talking a little bit about this this morning uh, in Sunday school about how, you know, even in times of doubt, even in times of difficulty, having your church family uh, and the Lord to lean upon through those times are extremely, extremely important. And I'm just so thankful uh, for what God has done through this church, uh, even, in, uh, even toward me and, and my life. And I, I think we need to celebrate what God has done. Psalm 145, verses 5 through 7, say this. And you can turn there if you'd like. I'm going to read. It's three verses. Psalm 145, verse 5 through 7. This is just one psalm that says this, but you can see this reiterated in multiple places. The psalmist says, I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and your wondrous works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts, and I will declare your greatness. They will give a testimony of your great goodness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. And as I think about the church, that's who we should be. Like, if we can't celebrate what God is doing in our midst, who, who else will do it? 
right? I mean, we, we should be celebrating the Lord. Isaiah 25 verse 1 says, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name for you have accomplished wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. And I look at just the way God has been so faithful and blessed, specifically this church, for almost 200 years. And man, what a testimony, not necessarily to this church, but even more so to the Lord and Him moving through His people. And so this morning, I want to give a legitimate round of applause to the Lord. Can we do that? Can we applaud the Lord this morning for what He's done? Now listen, we could go on and on about, and we all have our stories of what God has done for us and 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 through the church and all of that. And so we have to celebrate and should celebrate who God is and what he's done. But there's one more thing that we don't need to forget. You know, everything we're talking about with who, what God has done and all that in our church, we talked about things in the past. But because God is never changing, because God is always faithful, because God is always working through his people, we also have to think about what God is going to do and is able to do in the future, right? He's done a lot in the past, but there's still uh, some days to come until Jesus comes back. We're to be working for the Lord and, and moving forward together. And so I want you to know this morning that God is not finished moving and working in this church. God is not finished moving and working uh, in your life. And that's really the purpose of this series. As we think about reviving the mission, there are some times that we feel like, well, we've, you know, we've worked hard all these years and, and we've accomplished the mission. No, the mission isn't done until Jesus comes back. And sometimes we have to revive that. Sometimes we have to remember that. And so we have to celebrate not just who God is and what he's done, but we have to celebrate what God is able to do. A church can sometimes, I think, become so consumed with celebrating what God has done in the past that it forgets to look ahead and celebrate what God is able to do in the future. You know, and we have, like I said, we have many reasons to celebrate what God has done in the past. But if we get just stuck thinking there and stuck thinking about what he's done then, sometimes we get our eyes off of, well, God still has people to save. God still has people that he, he's going to bring to us to be baptized and to disciple and to, to, to grow together in Scottsville. And the psalmist reiterates all that God is capable and able to do in the future uh, from verse 33 down to verse 42 in Psalm 107. He talks about how he turns rivers into desert, springs into thirsty ground, and fruitful land into salty wasteland because of the wickedness of its inhabitants. But then he goes on to talk about those who are, are following him and, and striving to be close to him. He goes on to say, uh, he, verse 41, he lifts the needy out of their suffering, makes their families multiply like flocks. And it says in verse 42, the upright see it and rejoice, and all injustice shuts his mouth. So here, the psalmist is talking about not necessarily just things God has done in the past, but what he's capable of doing in the future. And he says those who know the Lord realize these things. They realize what he's able to do for them. Because God never changes, 
I want you to know God is able to do in your life what he's already done for someone else. He's able to do in our church what he's done before. He's able to do in our church what he's never done even before because he is able uh, to do these works in our lives. God is able to continue doing amazing things through his church. And we have to remember not just to celebrate the past, not just to celebrate who God is. All these things are important. But because of these, we should go on and start celebrating and thinking about what God is able to do in the future. And so we've seen various reasons this morning for celebration. All kind, and these are just a few. And this morning, I want you to know in your life, and maybe you're thinking, you know, there's not a whole lot in my life right now worth celebrating. And I think for every single person who doesn't know the Lord, the truth is, that's often the case. But we've seen some of the stories of what God has done in people's lives this morning. And I want you to know that if you don't know the Lord, God is able to work a miracle in your life. God is able to save you. God is able to restore you. God is able to bring you through what you're going through. And to see that happen in your life, it starts with turning your life over to Him. And I know sometimes that can be humbling. Sometimes that can be scary because the truth is we all feel like we know what's best for us and we all feel like, you know, we should be able to, to make our own decisions. I was thinking about... Uh, in some ways, it might be like a business owner who's trying to run their business and not succeeding very well. Now, imagine somebody coming in, an expert, someone who knows what they're doing and saying, I can get your business restored. I can get your business going even beyond what you were going before. I can take you to new levels and help you succeed, all of these kind of things. But in order to do that, you have to give me total control of your business. Now, that would be a very difficult decision, wouldn't it? Because in doing that, you would have to trust this person fully. You would have to basically give your livelihood over to them and trust that their way is better than your way. Trust that their decisions are better than your decisions. And sometimes in our lives, that can be difficult. But when we stop and think about who God is and what he's done and what he's able to do, we would be foolish to not place our lives over in his hands. And so if that's you this morning, maybe for the first time ever, you need to give your life over to the Lord. The Bible says because of our sin, because of the things that we've done in disobedience to God, we deserve and are headed for death and hell. But the good news is that Jesus, while he came into this world, he never sinned because he was fully God and fully man. And yet he died on the cross to take the punishment for that sin that we all deserve. And on the third day, Jesus came back to life. Forty days after that, he ascended to heaven, and one day the Bible says he's coming again, and on that day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But today you can do that before it's too late. Today you can turn to the Lord in faith and, and have this, this hope and this joy and see God work in your life. And so if that's you today, let me encourage you to make that decision. If that's you today, let me encourage you to give your life over to the Lord. Well, as we've seen God do amazing works in our lives and in our church, I want to remind us that in the future, moving forward to be an effective church, we should not just celebrate this like when we have a sermon about celebrating. We shouldn't just celebrate it when we think about it 
we should celebrate it every day. Look at verse 43 of Psalm 107. Let whoever is wise pay attention to these things and consider the Lord's acts of faithful love. Let whoever is wise stop and think about what God has done and consider all of his faithful love for you, for me, for our church. If we're going to be wise, if we're going to be an effective church, we have to take time to consider what God has done. And so this morning, as we have our time of commitment, let me encourage you in a couple of ways. First of all, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know the Lord, and if he's not running your life, this morning is the time to submit your heart, submit your life over to him. I'm going to be down front. I would love to to receive you. I would love to, to talk to you more about what that looks like, or maybe you just come today and say, hey, I want to follow the Lord, and we celebrate in that. This morning, maybe you haven't stopped to give some time to what God is doing in your life, and you want to come and just thank God. Thank Him and celebrate some of the things that He has done in your life, some of the things He's done through this church, or, or in some other way that you just haven't done that. I think if we're going to heed God's word, it tells us that whoever is wise, that we should pay attention to these things. We should thank God for these things and celebrate these things. And so this morning, as we wrap up our time together, let's do just that. Let's spend some time thinking on this and celebrating this and going to him uh, with that thanksgiving. Father, as we think about what it means to be an effective church, Lord, we know that we can do nothing without you. As individuals, as a church, we can do nothing without you working in our lives and in our midst. And so, Lord, help us as individuals, help us as a church to take time to celebrate you and what you've done. Lord, help us to not get so wrapped up in looking at ourselves or even looking at our situation that we forget who's the one that is helping us and sustaining us through it. Lord, this morning I pray maybe for somebody who doesn't know you. Maybe all they see is, is things going wrong in their lives. Or maybe they're self-reliant and think that they're, they're in control and they can, they can ride everything. Lord, I, I pray that this morning you will show them that they need you and that you can restore their lives and bring them hope for eternal life. Lord, for every one of us who maybe do know you in that way, I, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be people who celebrate what you've done. Help us to be people who talk about it, who share you with other people. And Lord, help us to continue being an effective church for you moving forward. Be with this time of commitment. In Jesus' name, amen.